Welcome to the bonus episode of the Simple Politics Podcast. While the second season won't begin for another couple of weeks, I had to make this bonus episode after the roller coaster of a week our country has been through. I'll talk through the events of one of the darkest days in our history, and later, I'll look at what the Georgia runoff wins by the Democrats means for Americans. Stay tuned. During my very first episode of the podcast, I went over the branches of government and simplified what those branches were and what they do. One of the things I mentioned was that all three branches of government, the executive, legislative, and judicial branches, have checks and balances in place to be able to make sure that each branch basically stays in line. Unfortunately, that's not what's been happening, as I also mentioned in that first episode. And now we have seen essentially the culmination because what do you do when one branch attacks the other? Not just verbally, as has been done for generations, but in this particular case, a full on mob attack. On January 6, 2021, our country experienced a terrorist attack by insurrectionists, domestic terrorists incited by their leader, Donald J. Trump. Rumblings of a possible enactment of the 25th Amendment began that day. Then a second impeachment was rumored. Trump remained glued to the TV, per reports, confused as to why more people around him weren't as excited as he was with the events unfolding. However jaded some of us may be after these long four years, Tuesday was a shocking reminder that things can, in fact, get worse. There's plenty of blame to go around, but no one is more at the top of that blame than Trump. He spent the last four years flirting with white extremists, calling them good people, telling domestic terrorist groups like the Proud Boys to stand back and stand by. The messages have been very clear to anyone willing to see them, hear them. Trump wanted something like the attack to happen. He didn't care who was hurt in the process. So many things he has done during his term have been done to keep his base happy or to get them riled up against anyone Trump didn't deem loyal enough. He put out a video later that day on the 6th, making things worse as per his usual. Republicans, along with Democrats, were denouncing the attack and squarely placing blame on Trump. The next day, he read a statement on camera, a statement he meant no word of seemingly conceding, finally, to Biden. He stated his focus was shifting to ensuring an orderly transfer of power. Ironic. His Republican enablers hopped back on his bandwagon almost instantaneously and called for unity. Let's be real. Trump only gave that statement in the hopes of staving off the 25th Amendment or a second impeachment. Perhaps more importantly to him, he did the speech to keep Twitter from banning him. Essentially, he was only concerned about his 2024 prospects and the money he would surely lose if banned from Twitter. I've said it before, Trump doesn't do anything without expecting something in return. His main concern has always been himself and his money. He doesn't care about the attack, the lives lost, or the disturbing details that have come out daily since the attack. Things could have been so much worse. With new information coming out, it is clear that the attackers were going to harm Congress people possibly even kill them. Chants circulated, calling for the hanging of Vice President Mike Pence. 
these terrorists were on a mission. I had intended on the morning of the 6th to do this bonus episode as a look into what the Georgia runoff results would mean going forward. I was excited, elated even, to see the culmination of the long, very long 2020 election finally coming to a close. More so, I was ecstatic beyond words at the realization that Mitch McConnell would no longer be the Senate Majority Leader. Under Trump, though, the Republicans had officially lost the White House and both Chamber of Congress. I surely was overjoyed. I was preparing for the episode when my phone started getting text messages, social media notifications, and DMs. Just like everyone else, I couldn't believe what I was seeing, reading, feeling. As the minutes passed, more and more was coming out. And as the hours passed, misinformation was infiltrating social media per usual. Nobody could really put into words what we were all seeing live. Soon enough, though, it became clear the Capitol, the seat of democracy, was under attack. The domestic terrorists had stormed the Capitol. A joint session of Congress was meeting that day to certify the electoral votes. There were planned objections by members of the House and Senate, objections that weren't going to amount to anything. Biden had won. Before the meeting took place, Trump held a rally funded by his own super PAC. He spouted his usual nonsense about election fraud and falsely proclaiming he had won overwhelmingly. His hundreds of supporters who were at his rally were eating it all up, of course. And at the end, Trump told them to march to the Capitol. He then lied and said he himself would lead them there. He did not. What followed will go down as one of the darkest days in our history. Not since 1814 had our capital been attacked and breached. Those in 1814 who stormed the capital were the British during the war going on at the time. Those this past week were self-proclaimed patriots who claimed to be fighting a conspiracy war to stop the steal of the election. In actuality, they're insurrectionists who attempted a coup in the name and at the incitement of Trump. But this doesn't fall solely at Trump's feet. He had plenty of enablers. They're comprised of elected officials, journalists, Fox News, big tech, etc. The insurrectionists truly believe they're the good guys. Why is that? Maybe because the media, and I'm not talking about just Fox News, but social media and politicians have fed the conspiracies. They followed and allowed the brainwashing, and this is the culmination of it. Many were injured, several died, including a police officer who was murdered by the mob. The insurrectionists must pay for their actions, but so should Trump and his sycophants. There must be consequences to such actions. There must be accountability. Plenty within the GOP are refusing to impeach Trump again because they're calling for unity now and believe another impeachment would only further the divide. That's straight BS. The 25th Amendment doesn't seem like it will be enacted. Two cabinet members have already resigned, along with a slew of other Trump administration officials. A question some are asking, naively, how did we get here? The last four years have been more divisive than any in recent history. Trump could have done so much to remedy that, but he didn't. Instead, he stoked the flames. He made it a point to be extra nasty to anyone he perceived to be an enemy, anyone who didn't agree with him. Twitter was his platform of preference. Twitter did nothing until this past week. 
it took a domestic terrorist attack incited by Trump for them to finally ban him. Don't celebrate Twitter, Facebook, or any other social media site for doing the bare minimum at the last minute. They've played just as much of a role as the elected officials that support him. And, of course, Fox News is another great support system for Trump. Speaking of those elected officials, what did they do after the attack on the Capitol? Some blamed Antifa, others denounced the attack without attributing it to Trump, and others finally saw the light and blamed the attack on the man responsible. However, that meeting that was interrupted by the attack, it finally took place later that night, and still over a hundred House representatives and senators objected to the electoral votes. Those elected officials should be removed from office and barred from ever holding public office again. They clearly didn't learn a damn thing earlier. What did Fox News do? The same. Blamed Antifa, who by the way had nothing to do with the attacks as has been reported by plenty of outlets. Fox News tried to deflect, they tried to blame the divide on the Democrats, and some even went as far as to excuse the terrorists by calling them passionate patriots or some similar term. These people do not care about America, they care about white supremacy, the same as those in power who have enabled Trump. Reports have started to emerge that this was a possible inside job, not shocking at all, especially when you have plenty of white supremacists in office currently. Videos show a congressman holding the door open for some of the insurrectionists. Other footage shows Capitol Police stepping aside and letting the terrorists get closer to the building. Then there's the selfies that the officers took with the attackers. The other unsurprising reports that I've read detail how officers from around the country took part in the attack. The summer of 2020 saw large protests due to civil injustices continuing against people of color. The killing of George Floyd by an officer caused so many around the country to march in protest against police brutality. While they were primarily mostly peaceful protests, they were met with officers using rubber bullets, tear gas, and so many other things against them. Peaceful protesters being beaten by cops, militarized officers and the National Guard standing in front of certain federal buildings ready for the largely peaceful protesters. Where were those officers this time around? The Department of Defense declined to call them to action, even while the Congress people were hiding and fearing for their lives. It took hours before more help was authorized. And as has been pointed out by so many, including President-elect Biden, had the attackers been from Black Lives Matter or people of color, things would have unfolded very differently. We do have to Americas. The fact that so many refuse to see it or admit it only makes matters worse. I've seen a lot of people talking about, this is not who we are, except that, yes, it is. When the government separated families at the border, that was America. When the government put babies in cages, that was America. When a grand jury decided no charges would be brought against anyone for the killing of Breonna Taylor, that was America. When nearly 375,000 Americans died due to the terrible handling of a pandemic, that was America. When millions lost their jobs and the government did hardly anything to help them fall further into disarray, into poverty, that was America. And when Republicans refused to increase the stimulus checks to $2,000, thereby further plunging millions into a dark winter, that was America. Plain and simple, America isn't what it claims to be. But we can be. I think we may very well be finally heading in that direction now that we have a new administration and new Congress. 
Before anything else, though, there must be consequences for the attack on the Capitol. And we must learn from the events that led us to that point. Those same people that hate us are the same people we have to eventually deal with in the hopes of bridging the divide. It will take a shift in divisive politics. It will take a shift in the way the news and fake news is reported. And it will take an overhaul of the social media platforms that allow extremists to permeate their sites and add to the brainwashing. Those same insurrectionists are more concerned over a conspiracy theory of a supposed stolen election, but care very little, if at all, over the pandemic that is killing record numbers of Americans daily. More Americans have died today than the amount killed during 9-11. That's referring to have died today daily, not in the scope of the pandemic. The reality is that we cannot continue business as usual. This year will mark the 20th anniversary of the September 11th attack. Our way of life changed forever that day. And every year since, we have commemorated 9-11 with the repeated mantra that we must never forget. I agree. We must never forget that attack. The same way we must never forget this past week's attack and the people who orchestrated it. As I mentioned earlier, January 6th was the day we finally learned the results of the Georgia runoff. That morning, we awoke to a win by Reverend Warnock and a possible win for Ossoff. Things were looking like the Democrats had taken back the Senate, thereby controlling both chambers of Congress. What the pair of wins would mean for Democrats was that there would be a 50-50 Senate with incoming Madam Vice President Harris being the deciding vote, the tiebreaker. Naturally, this elated Democrats because of the agenda they want to push forward. However, gaining control of Congress does not automatically mean the Democrats will be able to achieve everything they're wanting. The Senate still has to filibuster, which would require a 60-40 vote to overcome. There was talks of getting rid of the filibuster, but nothing concrete. For the Biden administration, one of their initial primary goals with Democrats controlling Congress will be to get their cabinet picks confirmed through the Senate. As it stands, only one pick is scheduled to go before the Senate on January 19th, retired Army General Lloyd Austin for Secretary of Defense. If no others are confirmed by the time Biden is inaugurated, there will have to be acting secretaries in place in the meantime. Biden has also been vocal about getting the American people the $2,000 stimulus checks. This seems likely to pass through Congress now. With the narrow control of the Senate, they will be able to call hearings, wield gavels for Senate committees, and get to decide which items get top priority. Senator Chuck Schumer will most likely be the Senate Majority Leader. He'll be able to determine which bills come to the Senate floor for votes, like the Voting Rights Act that McConnell has blocked for months. The progressive arm of the Democratic wing will continue to push their agenda as well, which involves climate change and health care, as well as student loan forgiveness instead of reform. Those will all be much more difficult to achieve despite the Democrats being in control. There are plenty of moderates in the party, and the progressive would also need some Republican support, which is quite unlikely. A lot of them will be facing challenges in the 2022 midterms, and that will be their guiding light when it comes to backing anything. Biden and Harris have been vocal about their support for climate change initiatives, with Biden naming an international and domestic climate czar to tackle climate change. But because these are new positions, it is yet to be known what they will actually be able to do or accomplish. In the last few days, a Biden aide went on record stating that Biden also supported $10,000 in student loan forgiveness. Some in his party are pushing to fully wipe out all student loan debt. Biden may not need Congress 
to make that happen if he chooses to do an executive order. As for health care, Biden wants to expand Obamacare, essentially turning it into Biden care. Bernie Sanders and Medicare for all is less likely to happen despite Democrats being in power. But you can definitely count on Sanders, Warren, AOC, and other progressives to continue to push for more radical initiatives and changes. Another major agenda topic will be racial justice and combating police brutality. After the events of January 6th, the attack on the Capitol, major investigations will follow to not only charge the insurrectionists, but also find out what happened in terms of Capitol security failing to secure the building initially. With Democrats setting priorities in hearings and committees, you can expect several hearings will take place to address the events of that fateful day, as well as hearings on the elected officials, including Trump, playing a role and or inciting the attack. The Democrats will be focused on accountability and consequences. In the days since the 6th, several new Congress members have already announced their intent on pushing the 14th Amendment on those elected officials who were part of the insurrection by objecting the electoral results. The 14th Amendment states in simple terms that if you're a member of Congress and you have aided an insurrection, you cannot sit in Congress and thereby can be removed. Let me say that, yes, Democrats having control of the White House and both chambers of Congress is a good thing. We have seen how obstructionist and unhelpful the Republicans have been during the last four years and even further back than that. But by no means will this be an easy time in Congress for the Democrats. There are still plenty of roadblocks and the Biden administration will need bipartisan support for some of their big agenda plans. The main thing I can say to the American people, keep these elected officials accountable to you. Just because the Democrats are now in power, that does not mean that everything is great and we can just let them do their thing. We still have to continue to pay attention and make sure that they are doing what is best for the country, not their rich supporters. Lastly, we must also demand that the elected officials who aided in the insurrection the attack on the Capitol, are removed from office and barred from ever holding office again. We cannot let our democracy be destroyed, especially from within <laughs> and by those claiming to be patriots. As I've mentioned to you all before, democracy demands participation, so don't sit on the sidelines, especially now more than ever. Thank you guys for tuning in to this bonus episode of the Simple Politics Podcast. I'll be returning the week of the inauguration. Stay safe, stay vigilant, and take as many deep breaths as needed. 2021 has sure started off with a bang. Let's pray it only gets better from here. See y'all later.